It's the Civil War, and there's fighting. There's, there's intense fighting going on in the, here in the, United, uh, the American Civil War, as you guys know, uh, against the Union, the Confederate, and, and, and soldiers. And they're, they're going at it. They're going at it. And here is this soldier from Ohio, right? He's fighting. You know, he's fighting, you know. He gets shot in his arm. At this moment, his captain sees him and says, give me that gun. He says, go to the rear of the fighting, and, and we'll take over. You know, we'll keep it going. So the young private you know, gives his weapon to this captain, and he begins to run to the back so that he can be away from the battle. When he gets to the back, he notices, wait a minute, there's fighting here too. And guess what? He doesn't have. He doesn't have a weapon. So then he goes, you know what? Let me run to the east. And he starts running to the east. And when he gets there, guess what? There's more fighting going on there too. All right, let me go to the west. And he goes to the west, and he's running, he's running, he's running. He's trying to dodge all these bullets and, and everything and cannons and explosions. And when he gets there, he realizes there's fighting there too. So he makes his way all the way back to the front lines, and he's running, he's dodging explosions, and people are just shouting and yelling. He runs to his eye, Captain, give me that gun. There ain't no rear to this battle. In that same sense, there is no rear to the spiritual battle that we are in. There is no escaping it. You can't go to the, left, to the north or to the south or to the east or to the west thinking that you can get away from it. The reality is you are in this war. So you better keep that gun with you because you're going to need it. In this series so far titled The Battle, which I don't know, maybe it's just me, but this is something that's, I don't know, I'm excited. I don't know, maybe it's just me, I'm overdoing it. I'm excited because I kind of get a little bit of flashbacks, not too much, but when I used to talk to my Marines and, and prepare them for the assignment, right? At that moment, I felt, I felt like, like these Marines are getting everything they need to know so their assignment would be successful. And I, in giving those directions, I felt good knowing that they were going to succeed. Does that make sense? I felt, I, felt, I, felt good. I felt good about the fact that they would go and carry on their assignment and their mission and they would be successful because they had all the tools that they needed. And maybe that's how I feel now. I believe that for those that are truly grasping the Word of God in these series that we're, going, we're doing, if you truly grasp it, if you truly apply it to your life, you will be successful in this spiritual battle that we're experiencing. You will be. So far we discussed where and why this battle started. We talked about... Uh, uh, what went on in the heavens between Lucifer and God. We talked about why we are in this, even if you try to escape it, that you can't. We can't run from it because since the day you're born to the day that you die, there is a battle for your soul. It's real. It's real. It's a real battle. Last week, we spoke on the enemy's tactics. Um. I don't know about you, but I believe, it was a, I believe it was a powerful, 
powerful word of God that, that kind of shed light on strongholds. Because many of us are struggling with some strongholds in our life that the enemy put up. We gave him a little, we, we opened the door just a little bit to him in our lives. And you know how, you know how when you used to chase your brother and sister in the house? And then you're running and they're running and they go to close the door on you and you get your little foot in there real quick. That's it. So you, if you got your foot in there, that's it. They can't close it. And eventually you push the door in. Unless your siblings were like older than you and then your foot got crushed. I don't know. I was the oldest, so I never had that problem. I was the oldest. But, but if you can just get it a little bit. So what happens is we give the enemy just a little bit. And he takes that. He opens it up. He establishes strongholds in our lives that can last forever if you do not allow God to tear them down. And someone was like, well, go ahead, God, tear them down. No, you got to put some work in it too because you have to surrender that to God so that he can overtake it, okay? Mm. So we talked about these strongholds. We talked about the fact that he uses temptation to reel you in, Remember? Temptation is one of the strategies, one of the tactics the enemy does. He makes it look good. He makes it look good, and he entices you. And we're going to continue on that, I believe, today a little bit. Um, Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little later. But he makes it look good and makes it desirable and then hooks you with that and reels you in. Let's Let's pick up where we left off, though. What were we talking about right before we finished last week? We started to talk about the devil, the serpent, and Eve's conversation. If you didn't see last week, it's okay because it's on YouTube and it's on Facebook. And there will be a podcast on it too. But you guys can follow up. You don't have to be like, oh, I missed out. No, no, just, and it's okay. You can hear it today and then go back and watch it. It's okay. It's not going to mess it up. Last week, the serpent comes to Eve he, and, and in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, and he's like, did God really tell you? Remember what he says? Remember, he's like, did God really tell you that you can't eat from any other fruit? Come on now, really? They're going to starve? He said to them, God, did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees? You know, temptation is very subtle. We talked about that, and very sneaky. Sometimes, sometimes if you are not aware, like we talked about last week, be aware, stay focused, and you know what? Before you know it, you have fallen to it. We talked about how Eve had secondhand knowledge. God spoke directly to Adam, and then Adam was like, yo, by the way, he must have been, you know, he had to say, by the way, because she knew what she wasn't supposed to eat from which means that Adam told her, right? So Adam was, must have been like, yo, by the way, God said don't eat from that one. Okay. She had second, see, God didn't tell her directly. Adam did. And so she had secondhand information. And there are many of us that have secondhand information. We hear it on the internet. We hear it on TV. We hear it on, uh, on, a, on, a, on a sermon clip or something. And, and that's it. We take it and we move on with our life trying to use that as trying to use that as our foundation of our walk with God. That's why I said 
You guys need to double check. You guys need to read your Bibles. You guys need to, to, to fact check. Pastor said in the Bible said what? All right. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to check it later. I told you I don't get offended, right? I told you I don't get offended. I'm proud of you guys. If you guys do that, I'll be proud of you. Not offended. Not offended. So let's see E's response. Let's see E's response. You see, the, the, one of the tactics that he used was that he questioned, he questioned the word of God. So let's see his response. Genesis chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Two and three. Everybody turn to that. Amen. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. That was true. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat. That is true. Nor shall you touch it. Wait a minute. That's not true. Lest you die. Eve should have quit while she was ahead. Eve should have quit while she was ahead. Give me a second here. Eve should have, Eve should have stopped while she was ahead. Okay. Don't worry about it. He should stop where he's ahead. And, but instead, you know, just stay quiet, nod your head, you know, be, you know, just, just, but instead what she decided to do was that she had added to God's word. She added to God's word. God didn't say not to touch it. He said not to eat it. Oh, but that doesn't make a difference. As Christians, we don't get in trouble we don't get in trouble when we act upon God's word. That doesn't get you in trouble. Where we begin to get in trouble is when we begin to start adding our own interpretations and reasonings to the word of God. It happens way too much. And this is one of the main reasons why I tell you, you need to check the Bible for yourself. You need to read it for yourself. You need to study it for yourself because anyone can take the word of God and then manipulate it to try to uh, support something, their own reasonings. And we have to be careful when people do that. Revelation chapter 22 Verse 18 says, and I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the word of God of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add, that, add to that person the plagues described in this book. First of all, that's not a good thing. I don't know about you, but anything that starts with plagues, period, is not a good thing. I don't, want to, I don't want to hang around it. I don't want it to be around me. I don't want nothing to do with it. So it's really simple. We don't need to be adding to the book. But pastor, no one's out here adding to the Bible. No one's really doing that. Well, okay, let's, maybe you guys don't realize how often it happens. And so I want to take a moment to just, you know, talk about it. First of all, does anyone know anyone who's always adding something to the Bible? 
you know, that person. That person's like, yo, in the Bible it says this. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You walk away like, does it really say that? You, you, you know, you don't be like, yo, the Bible, but the Bible says, because you know, because, you know, the Bible says you got to, you know, and then you walk away like, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. And you're like, wait a minute, I don't know if that's right. I don't know. You start, like, going through the rest of your day, like, confused. Like, where does the Bible say that? Or are you that person? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it happens more than you think. It's very common. One of the most common things that we've added to the Bible is the Bible says that God won't give you more than you can handle. Some of you are like, Pastor, what? The Bible don't say that. I know, I know, I know. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you. Okay? Let me help you, please. The Bible does not say that God will not give us more than we can handle. It sounds nice, especially when we're going through a lot. You know, when you're going through, like, family problems, you're going through work problems, you're going through all sorts of things in your life, you're like, uh, I'm dying. I'm not going to make it. And your friend, your good old friend says, Betsy, God can't give you nothing that you can't handle. You'll be all right. And Betsy's like, that's right. I'll be all right. And she walks away. I, I, like I said, it sounds good. It sounds good. Uh, but the problem with this is when we look at this added verse to the Bible about God can't give you anything that you can't handle, God can't give you anything that you can't handle, then the focus begins on, I can do this. I got, oh, I got the power. Yeah, I, I. And it turns inward instead of outward. You see, it turns into an inward dependence to succeed in life. Instead of an outward dependence on Jesus, knowing that it's through him that we can do it all. So, yeah, it sounded nice, but it leads you in the wrong direction. Okay? All right, all right, all right. But, okay, but, 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 but you sure it's not in there? All right, let me read you the verse. Let me read you the verse that people get confused with. <laughs> and then go home and check it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the to be more than you can stand when you are He will show you a way out so that you can endure. So let me tell you, there is no temptation that is too strong for you, that you cannot overcome. That is a different thing. This, I mean, we have a lot to be grateful for. Thank God that we can overcome temptation. There is no temptation that would be strong enough for you that you would not be able to overcome. All temptation is overcomable. That, that, add that to our new dictionary. <laughs> All the temptation can be defeated. All of it. That's what this verse is saying. 
So the Word of God doesn't actually say that, no, but somebody somewhere, somebody somewhere down the line decided it sounds good. They added their own interpretation to this verse. Because what they said, they read it really, and that's another thing, if you read it really quick. You ever read the Bible really quick? You got to go back and read it again because, wait, wait, it said what? You read it, well, somebody must have read this verse really quick and was like, oh, he won't give us anything we can't handle. We got this. Do you see how quickly you can misinterpret the Bible? And then one person will say it to somebody else. And then that person says it to somebody else, and somebody else, and somebody else. And before you know it, everyone is like, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, and nobody checks it. All right. There was a woman that, there was a woman that believed that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because they failed to practice hospitality. That was the belief, that they failed to, to, to practice hospitality. Now, they get this whole principle because of when the angels came down and the way they were treated, a bunch of, a bunch of weird stuff, right? But the fact is that if Sodom was not hospitable, they would have never embraced Lot and his family. So it was, if they were hospitable, and that's not the reason why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. That's not the reason why he destroyed them. This person added her own thoughts and her own interpretation. Now, this person had reason to want to add her interpretation because she did not want to admit the real reason why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed for their immorality. And so sometimes people will add their own reasoning and interpretation so that they continue living in their sin and be okay with it. Oh, it was not immorality. It was not sexual immorality that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was that they were not hospitable. So as long as that was the reason, let me continue my sexual immorality lifestyle, and I don't feel so bad because that wasn't the reason why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Do you understand where I'm going with this? People will add their own interpretations and reasoning to the Scripture to many times feel better about their sinful conditions. The moment we add to the Word of God, the moment we add our own reasonings, especially, you know, especially when you want to feel less convicted, we're going down the wrong road. So, we already see that Eve, not only did she add to the Word of God, but she also changed it. We remember what we said, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has says, you shall not eat. True. Nor shall you touch it. That wasn't true. Lest you die. Also not true. And I'm going to tell you this because I guess you got to take it back to that word lest and where it originates from and all that stuff. We're not going to get into that. You can look it up. But um, it's more of like lest you die. Uh, you risk dying, or you could die, or possibly die. Now, if you look at a lot of the translations like NIV or even a lot of the more modern ones, it said you surely would die. It will say that. But if you look at the King James Version and, and some of the older translations, it doesn't say 
that she said, you surely will die. There was an, there was a, a, a almost like, an, like, you know, like, yeah, well, we can't touch it or eat it because, you know, we could possibly die. Do you guys get the conversation that's going on here with her? She's telling him, like, oh, we can eat from the trees. We can't touch, we just can't eat from this one, or we can't touch it because if we do, we know there's a chance that we could probably die from this. And that was wrong. You see, um, we don't say, you know, I'll give you an example. If I tell my daughter, don't play in the street lest you die, lest you get run over, that doesn't mean that she will definitely get run over. It means that she has a possib- there's a possibility that she could get hit by a car if she's in the street. It means it might happen, right? Genesis chapter 2, verse 17 shows us what God said to Adam. It says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Surely die. So she changed God's word. Do we change God's word today? Do we do that? Well, not here. We don't do that. Does it happen? Yes. Yes, it happens. Want another example? By the way, there's a whole sermon on this called uh, Straight Out of Context. I think I did it last, uh, last summer or something. You can go back and watch it. It's all about the context of Scripture and stuff like that. But the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. I'm about to, I'm about to throw this mic at, at, at Vanessa so she can tag to right? The love of money. Someone changed it. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.10, the first part of uh, verse 10, says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Hmm. So what happens is this. Um, People go and they change the word of God and they say money is the root of all evil. But the reality is money is what pays the bills here. Money is what puts food in your, in your mouth. Money is what puts, your kids, puts clothes on your, on your kids. Money pays your taxes. <laughs> money pays gasoline, which you need money for that because gas is high, right? You know, money pays <laughs> all our commuters. All our commuters say yes. Um, the, the thing is that, that money in itself is not evil. The love of money is. Because that means that it has become an idol in your life. Because usually for someone that has like a love after money will, will do anything for it. They will lie. They will cheat. They will steal. They will be dishonest for a love of money. Jay-Z the other day. What? Yeah. <laughs> Jay-Z was interviewed the other day and he said something interesting. <laughs> he wanted to quote the Bible, apparently. Some of y'all are like, yeah, it, it, it's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. He wanted to quote the Bible, and he said this. He's, you know, pretty much like, yeah, you know, um, all things will work out for the good for everyone, is what he said in his interview. He said that all things will work out for the good for everyone. He said it. 
The devil's really good at taking Scripture and twisting it. So let me, let me read you the correct verse, the unchanged verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So unfortunately, not everyone qualifies for this. Everything will work out for the good for those that love God. Oh, how are you going to judge, Pastor? He might love God. You don't know that. Okay. <laughs> I was going to put the whole judging verses in here because I know people are like, oh, you can't judge. Listen, I don't know. That's, that's a whole other sermon. Battle, the battle. Focus. <laughs> Focus. Um, in today's society, it's not uncommon to see God's word changed. It's not uncommon to see the word of God changed and watered down. Sometimes it's changed, right, um, and watered down, and Eve didn't seem to water it. Like, she didn't seem to worry that she kind of watered it down. If, you, if, you, if God says you surely will die and she's repeating it to someone and says, yeah, yeah, well, I'm, you know, you could probably die from it or something. It's like you're not, being, you're not taking seriously the word of God. You've watered down something that was important. Why do parents water down medicine for children? I did this this morning for Abigail. She, she, she'll take medicine like a champ, Right? When she's got a little, little runny nose or a cough, she'll take all. If it's clear, if it's blue, it's no problem. If it's red, eh, 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 she don't want it. And I'm like, yo, that's the best type. It's cherry. It's, what's up? It's good. Like, I'll drink this. Let's, let's go for it. But if it's red, she doesn't want it. So today I had to water it down, not with water, but I mixed it with some orange juice, which is really nasty. Like, I thought it was going to be nasty. She drank it. She drank it because she really likes orange juice, so she thought it was going to taste good. I kind of saw her face that, you know, wasn't that good, but she, she took it like a champ. But the thing is, we water it down because it makes it easier for some of our children to swallow the medicine. When it doesn't taste very well, when you water it down, it doesn't have that strong, that strong medicine flavor. It's kind of like watered down. The word is being watered down in many places. Many churches are watering down the word. So more people will come. They will water down the word so that way none of you guys get offended. <laughs> they will water down the word so that uh, you don't feel convicted and not come back to church. Because, you know, that's a thing these days. Did you guys know that? Did you guys know that there's a, there's a thing going on in the world where when you experience conviction by the Holy Spirit, not by me, by the Holy Spirit, you decide, I'm not going back to church because I didn't like the way that felt. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. They water down the word so there's no conviction. They water, they water down the word so you're not offended. They water down the word so that you can they like fill the seeds. And, you, know, uh, you know, there's less accountability. If I water down the word 
then, you know, I don't have to hold you as accountable to some of the things that the Bible says you should or should not do. I'm going to hold you accountable to things. And the more involved you are in your walk with God, meaning if there are people that watch you, that if you are influential, if you are a leader of some sort, title or no title, then I will hold you accountable because it's not your life that you're messing with. It's someone else's as well. And I kind of get upset. You know, you know you, I, I don't usually get upset very much, right? You don't see me get upset much. You know, right? Not anymore. No. I left, I, left, I left Sergeant Diaz in the Marines. Like, I, like I'm, I don't get upset anymore. But what really upsets me is when I see people that know better and then get angry when they're held accountable but they need to be held accountable because people are watching. People are following. People are being influenced by them. So don't get angry at me. Just appreciate me that I love you enough to tell you the truth. Can, 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 we all, can, can you guys go like this to me, please? Can I see all the hearts? Can I see all the hearts? Come on, Lewis. Give me a heart. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. See, I feel better now. I feel better. I feel better. (laughs) We will not take away or change God's word to make you feel better. I can't do that. I can't do that. First of all, I I fear for pastors that do that. Because they one day will stand before a powerful God and be held responsible. It's like God's going to hold, I mean, God's going to be like, so on September 5th at 11 o'clock, you said this, you did this, you did this. You didn't tell the truth here. You watered this down. I mean, it's all being written down. I don't know. Maybe just it's me. Maybe it's just me. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. You are told to correctly explain the Bible. You are told, you you are told to correctly explain the truth of God. But in order to correctly explain the truth, you need to be taught the truth. You need to study the truth. You need to read it for yourself. This is how you know the truth. Okay, so after Satan sees that Eve's changed the word, she's added to the word, (laughs) he saw his opportunity. You see, he saw that she changed, she added, he sees the opportunity, his snaky sense lit up, and he's like, wait a minute here, and I can see him going like this. Serpents had hands back then, okay? His, leg, his arms and legs were not taken away yet. He, he still had hands. So he's like this. I, I see him like this. Wait a minute. This woman doesn't really know what God said. She doesn't really know what he says. It's, you know, she, it sounds like she kind of knows what he says. She could be guessing. At this point, he decides no more beating him on the bush. I'm going in for the kill. And he makes a direct attack on the word of God, on the truth of God. Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 and 5 says, Then the serpent said to the woman, 
You will not surely die. Remember, she said, oh, I could possibly die. Well, you, oh, don't worry. You're not going to die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. If only Eve would have stuck to God's word, Satan would have never been so bold to contradict what God has said. So when we get to heaven, be like, yo, Eve. No, no, no. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) We're not doing that in heaven, okay? There's no hitting. But Eve, you should have stuck to the word of God. You should have changed it. You shouldn't have added to it. Why? If you would have just did, you would have stuck to it, he would have never been able to contradict what God has said. This is a strategy and a tactic of the enemy. He seeks out the extent of your knowledge of the word of God. The enemy, enemy doesn't have the power that God has that he is all-knowing. The enemy is not all-knowing. God is. So the enemy has to watch you. He has to study you. He has to see what you know, what you don't know. You don't have to open your mouth for him to know, oh, they don't live by the word of God. He knows the word of God. And he can tell when you don't by the way that you speak, by the way that you live, by the way you treat others, by the way you just go about your life. So what he does is he, go, he looks around to see the extent of your knowledge to the word of God and the extent of the grasp that you have on the truth. Some of us are like, it is God's word. I'm not changing it. I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to it. And there's nothing that convinced me. There's nothing that can convince me other. And there are some people like, yeah, well, I was told it was God's word. Oh, wait a minute. He don't have that firm grasp on the truth. So if you don't have a firm grasp on the truth, you can be easily deceived. So then what he does is he attacks us in our area of weakness. Satan promises something better. So the next thing he did is he promises something better. He attacks the word of God, and then he, his next tactic is to promise you something better. If you look at verse 5, verse 5 says, For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. He's promising Eve this knowledge of good and evil. He's promising her more, promising her better, promising her that she could understand so much. Listen, I believe that God has more in store for your life. The reason why I believe that he does is because the closer that you get to God, right, the more you experience his power, his presence, his holiness. See, that's the more that I know God has for your life. But what happens, what happens in the world that we live in is that you have pastors saying, God has more for your life. And like, oh, more cars, more money, more house, more career, more this and that, more. God has more for you. 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 And everybody's like, woo, yeah. This is real. This is real. It happens too much. Do we serve a God that, that, that would love to do things? Of course he does. Of course he does. But the more that we can guarantee you is more of God. The closer you get to him, 
the more you will experience him, the more that you will, that you will, that you will think like him, the more that you will feel like him. Like when, when you come and you talk to the more that you, the Bible, like let me be your hands, your feet, your eyes, right, your mouth, right? Like, like the more you get closer to God, the more you are exposed to that. So God does have more for you. But I'm not talking about the things of this world. I'm talking about the spiritual things. Things that should matter more to you than the things of this world. I, I had to say it. I know we were talking about it, but I just had to throw it in there. Your eyes will be open. He promises her this. Your eyes will be open. <laughs> so she must have been thinking like, well, well I th- wait a minute. My eyes could be open? I mean, I thought I was already seeing. I mean, I thought I could see this. I thought I could see this, but my eyes could be even opened even more. Wow, what is this about? Let's take Juanita, for example. All right, not yet, not yet, not yet. To this day, to this day, there's still a tactic. The enemy still uses this tactic, right, um, of promises. You know, what's the appeal of drugs? I promise it'll make you feel better. Or I promise it'll make you, your problems go away. Right? Drugs. Um, adultery. Stealing. The promise of something better than what you already have is what he was doing. Let's take Juanita for example. She's been married for a handful of years now, Juanita. She's been married. But somehow the excitement is just not there anymore. She's been married to her husband for a while. Oh, I didn't name her husband. Give me, let's give him a name. Pedro. Pedro. All right. Sorry, any Juanitas and Pedros in the room. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So Juanita is married to Pedro. The excitement seems to have worn down. You know, her husband's losing his hair a little bit, right? You know, uh, the belly is starting to get a little bigger than it was before. Every day he snores louder and louder than the day before. And one day, Juanita is at work. Juanita's at work and she's getting coffee. And as she's getting coffee, right, out of, no, out, of, out of nowhere, I had a name, but yours is better. Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this new employee walks in. He's tall. He's muscular, right? He's got long, thick hair that he can go like this with, right? You know, and Alejandro walks in. And he walks in and music ah, follows him. And light just seems to be following him when he's walking. And she's like just looking at him. All of a sudden, you know, she's trying to get her, her senses back. You know, oh, I'm married, I'm married. And she starts to get her coffee together. And all of a sudden, his hand brushes along her hand. They look up and they make eye contact. (laughs) Suddenly, suddenly, I'm married, but there's nothing wrong just having lunch with Alejandro. So lunch here, lunch there, lunch here, lunch there. There's nothing wrong, right? But, but, but Juanita never mentioned to Pedro that she had lunch with Alejandro. So now it's a secret. 
It's a secret that she's having lunch with Alejandro. Yo, it's Kev. Turn this into a movie. Turn this into a movie. So, 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 so all of a sudden, so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a look turned into a couple words, turned into lunch, and then there's probably messages, and it's all hidden from your spouse. And before you know it, because see, it's like, oh, well, I'm not really tempted to do anything. I'm at work. I'm at work. But then you meet outside of work. And then you're not at work no more. It ends with them doing things they should not do. Because it started with temptation. And the, and the, and the promise or the, 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 the twisted promise was, I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you something better than Pedro. Look at Alejandro. <laughs> well, guess what? Pedro with his thinning hair and his belly and his loud snoring will never, will always be there for her. Even though things may not be the same, he loves her. And he's going to make sure that he takes care of her. We, we, we see, we always see just the tip of things. And we don't see it. But you know what? Even in those situations, I want to let you guys know that there's hope and there's restoration for marriages. God, I have seen marriages go through some things, and God has done miracles in them. I'm talking, I'm talking about like there's no one that could take credit for the restoration that God can do in marriages. So, so there's always, there's always hope. Alejandro's a devil. We don't have Alejandro in here. We're not, no, no. The same thing that he, that he, so he promised her, he promises their eyes will be open. Then he promises her another thing. He's like, you will be like God. Ooh, the promise to be like God is worthless. Because let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Adam and Eve were already created in the image of. But this promise sounded too good. This promise sounded too good. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be like God. And let me tell you the difference, church. Wanting to be like God in character, is those are goals. Those are goals, right? We want to be like God. We want to be loving. We want to be compassionate. We want to be caring. We want to be just. We wanna be, these are all the things that we want to be. We should want to be like God. But the devil wasn't talking about wanting to be like God like that. He was talking about wanting to be like God in power. You will be like God. You will have God's power. That sounds, you know, hey, we're talking about power. Isaiah 14, 14. Remember, when we first started the series, I read from Ezekiel that we talked about what was going on in the heavens between Lucifer and and God. And then I told that there's a parallel, parallel scriptures that's in Isaiah. In Isaiah 14, 14, it has Lucifer saying, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. I will be like God. But he wasn't talking about in character. He was talking about, I want God's power. So it sounds familiar. He says, I will be like the most high God. And then in here, he's telling Eve, you will be like God. Satan wanted to be like God, and he was, he was tempting Eve to reach for the same. If you steal, I'll make you rich. If you lie, 
especially, you know, on the gram, people will like you. You know, if you look like, <laughs> I have a friend, he took a picture with this, like, la- yellow Lamborghini. And, and I knew it wasn't his, but, but, but everyone was like, oh, good color, this and that. They're going down the list. And eventually he had to go back on there like, oh, it was just a photo op. It was just a photo op. It was, he, he had to go down and, like, just say that, oh, hey, it was a nice car. I just want to take a picture. It wasn't mine. But how quickly, when you put things on on the Internet, people will say, oh, look, that's, he's got a new car, this and that. And so people use that to their advantage, and they lie about their life. So that people could like them. If you lie, people will like you. They will admire you. If you indulge in violence, people will fear you and respect you. Every temptation comes with an implied promise. And that's what makes it tempting. Next, he he promises Eve that she would know good and evil. But he wasn't really promising her anything much. Think about it. God created the heavens and the earth, and he saw that it was? God created plant life and saw that it was? God created the sun, moons, and stars and saw that it was? God created the sea creatures and saw that it was? Come on, say it with passion. God saw the, he created the land animals and saw that it was? Then he looked at everything that he made, and he said it was? Very good. So, here is the devil telling me, telling Eve, you will know the difference between good and evil. We know God himself is good. Everything Eve had, everything that she looked at, everything that she ate, everything that she touched, everything that she heard was already So what was he offering her? evil. That's it. That's all he was offering her. He says, I will give you, uh, he says, you, you, you will know good and evil. She already knew good. So he, so he was just offering her evil. Sneaky. Mm. So Satan turns up the heat. He turns it up. And she caves in. Eve gives in to temptation. Genesis 3, chapter 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Adam, Adam, Adam. (laughs) You can only go but so much. You can only go so far in the track of temptation before you yield to pressure. You can only struggle with so many things before you finally give in. I remember in the season that I was, you guys know that I was raised in, in the faith most of my life, but I had a season that I was not faithful to God, meaning I would just go through the motions, right? That's how I, that's how I know about going through the motions because I went through the motions. And there was a time where I would just go to church, go through the motions, then go out and hang out doing things I shouldn't do. 
And I remember there was a season where the Holy Spirit would begin to convict me and was beginning to, 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 to say, you shouldn't really be there. You shouldn't really go there. Because when you go there, you do things or you say things that you, or, or you shouldn't be doing or saying. And I figured I can be strong. I can go there and not drink. I can just hang out, listen to music. And for a season, I tried that. And, and, and yes, there were many times I would go and I would not drink. And I would listen to music or whatever the case may be, talk to my friends. But you can only turn down so many free drinks before you're finally like, oh, okay, I'll just take this. One is not going to kill me. It's all right. And you give in to temptation. But I put myself there. I kept playing and toying with it. And that's just one example of many. Many times we take, we, 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 it's like we want to live on the edge to see how far we can push things. And then when we fall to temptation, we wonder why. Oh, why? How did I end up here? Um, well, you didn't just end up here. This was a six-month thing. We put ourselves in situation with drugs, with alcohol. These are, the, these are the common things that everyone deals with, right? Sexual immorality. You know, it's, we just friends. Hang out. Shows up to the house on the porch, talk for a little bit. Why y'all laughing? Why y'all laughing? Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, these are really late night phone calls. And it gets later and later, and it gets longer and longer. Hey, why don't I just come over instead of talking on the phone? Because, you know, guys think they slick these days, right? They, 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 they get, they'll, listen, ladies, listen, ladies, they'll get you used to talking with them at a set time, all the time, especially late at night. And then they'll be like, listen, instead of just calling, I could just come over, we could talk. And you figure, like, oh, we always talk at this time anyway. Sure. But guess what? He ain't coming over to talk. It's subtle. It's subtle. In closing, in closing, in closing, church, listen, what are we talking about? Devil's tactics. Devil's tactics. His strategy. Let's prepare. Let's be aware of the things that he likes to do so that we can stand up to it. In closing, the devil wants to establish a stronghold in your life. And he will tempt you in areas that you are weak. He'll tempt you in areas that you're weak. One of the things that if you're going through a season of temptation, a season of like struggling with God, struggling with the enemy, don't, don't run from us. Can I, can I, do you guys know what I mean? Don't run from us. We're the only people that are going to love you to help you through it. Sometimes our friends in the world, they don't understand. They don't see it as wrong. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. Do you. Live, live your life. You only live once. That's the advice of the world. Um, you only live in this world once, 
And then there's eternity. You know what would change your life radically? If you go through life and before you say things, before you do things, before the, you make decisions in your life, you say, how would this affect my eternity? How does this affect my eternity? Am I, am I investing in eternal life or am I investing in eternal death? Be honest. Ask yourself. The people that you're hanging out with. Listen, I know this is, a tough, this is, this is, this is a hard struggle for some people because sometimes their circle of friends is all that they've ever had. I know how it feels to have to separate yourself from a circle of friends because your eternity means more. You'll make new ones. You'll make godly ones. And I'm not saying that you cut them out of your life completely, but they have to go down a couple notches in your life. They can't be the influencers in your life. It can't call the shots in your life. You call the shots. You influence because you have God and they don't. Nini, we were talking about that, right? It's hard. It's hard. But what would be harder is eternal death. That's harder. He will tempt you in the areas that you're weak. If you're adding and changing to God's word to accommodate your own sins so that you don't face conviction, so you don't want to be held accountable, so... Listen, the, all, the enemy already knows at this point that you have a weak grasp on the truth. Prayer team, can you start making your way to the front, please? Can I give you a heads up? The enemy will attack. For some of you, you guys know this clearly because right now you're in the midst of an attack. You're in the midst, you're in the midst of a battle. You're in the midst of some things that are just not going right in your life and you just don't know what else to do. You don't know where else to turn. You don't know what else to say. Things seem hopeless in your life. Things just don't seem like they'll ever get better. But those are all lies of the enemy. Hopelessness, pain sadness, sorrow, depression, anxiety. Are those God traits? These are all lies of the devil. And if you open your door to any of them, he will establish a stronghold of anxiety, a stronghold of sadness, depression in your life. He will do it, and then guess what? You feel bound to that. You feel like there's no getting out of this. Thursday night's Bible study was titled, Jesus is Better. Jesus is better. Better than anything the enemy could ever promise you. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Church, we're talking about strongholds. We're talking about how the devil will try to confuse us to tempt us. We're talking about not understanding the Word of God so that we can properly communicate the Word of God. 
We want to pray with you this morning because if you are at any point in your life just struggling in any area, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, right now we come before you, Lord. Look at those that need you. Look at those that are hurting. Look at those that are broken. Lord, I ask that you bring healing right now to this house. That you mend hearts. That you heal, Father God, not only physically, but spiritually and emotionally healing in the name of Jesus. Father God, I ask right now for, that you just continue to begin the work that you started in these people. Lord, there are, there are some that stayed in their seats, Lord, that you are speaking to right now. Have your way. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises. For your promises are real. Your promises are kept. Your promises bring life. In Jesus' name, amen.